your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. And on today's show, we are breaking down Kirk Ferentz's media conference yesterday. He shed some light on the offensive line, shed some light on what to expect from this Iowa football team, and also what he's preparing for for Indiana. We also heard from Gary Barta. Not a lot, he said, but we do want to talk a little bit about it. And then finally, NFL cuts were yesterday. Three, not one, not two. Three Iowa Hawkeye undrafted free agents made a 53-man roster. We're going to talk all about that and which undrafted free agents might still stick on the practice squad. There's always an opportunity there. So we're going to be talking about all that on the show today. And just a reminder that the NFL season is about to begin, and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview is taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker and Jason Lockenfora. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast to tune in beginning August 30th. That is a couple days ago. That was two days ago, so you are ready to listen to it if you want. Whatever team you want to follow, they're covering literally all of it. So let's get into it. Kirk Farron spoke to the media. Gary Barta spoke to the media. And we learned about some Iowa football players who have found a home in the NFL. Let's kick it off with the Gary Barta press conference because Kirk Ferentz's was a bit more revealing, I guess you could say. So Gary Barta uh, mentioned a little bit about the Alliance. And I know the Alliance has been something we've talked about quite a bit on this show. And also just a reminder that if you haven't listened to us on YouTube, definitely check it out. Give me some feedback. Let me know what your thoughts are if you are listening to the audio form of this. If you are here on the YouTube channel, welcome. You are one of the first ever listeners on the YouTube channel, so really appreciate that. But Gary Bardra talked a little bit about the Alliance. I think he revealed a few things, specifically about the Alliance and also about potential scheduling down the road. He said, as far as expanding and how the Alliance kind of came to be, the Big Ten did talk about expanding. So when we were having those conversations, which team made sense for the Big Ten to take? Was it Oklahoma State? Was it to go to the Pac-12 and try to take Stanford? Was it to go to the ACC and try to take University of North Carolina, right? We had to factor in different things, whether it was AAC certified, whether it was a tradition-rich school from a overall sports perspective, not just football, not just basketball, which is kind of how Oklahoma State got knocked out of it from the AAC certification piece. Um, geographically speaking, what made sense? It sounds like the Big Ten did have those conversations. And ultimately, at the end of it, they didn't really want anyone. They basically, he what he said was, we didn't identify somebody that we are ready to go forward with. That includes Iowa State. That includes Kansas. Includes Oklahoma State, which we knew was kind of never going to be a thing after we thought about it a little bit more. And he said, so we started talking to other people, other divisions, other conferences, and the Pac-12 and the ACC had similar thoughts, similar approaches to research and academics and athletics. So we came up with the Alliance concept. So to me, that actually makes sense to me. I, I don't think the Alliance really, there was a lot of fluff, no substance. We all know that. Um, if you heard me talk about it a couple of weeks ago, there really wasn't much to it other than, hey, cool, we're together. But to me, the way I kind of reasoned it was we have a, we have a potential engagement, but we haven't even started dating yet. That was how I looked at it essentially. And but at least this gives me hope knowing that they had some conversations. And the reason why they even moved over to the Alliance concept was because they did feel like these were three conferences that really could align. 
get it align alliance could really align with values and whatnot and also almost have alliance of we're not going to steal each other's teams we're going to let the big 12 kind of die now the big 12 seeing where they are in this spot seeing the alliance seeing the sec they have to go out and get some teams so it'll be interesting to see what they do from a team perspective i think regardless of what they do the big 12 is slowly going to create a basically a a middle group between the power five and the group of five, basically being a power four, the big 12, and then a group of five. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, he also mentioned scheduling. He said one of the pieces of that is scheduling. We haven't dug in and gotten after scheduling, but we will honor our current contracts. He said, Iowa State, we have a contract with them through 2025. That's just factual. The principle that we've talked about is that this would not preclude us from playing other conferences. So that's a principle that we've discussed. And what that means is, they theoretically could keep playing the Big 12. Now, do they? I don't know. If you have a game versus the ACC each year, you have a game versus the Pac-12 each year, and you have nine Big 10 games, you need to have a an easier non-conference game as that last game. If you do eight Big 10 games, it opens up a little bit, but Iowa does like to play one to at least preferably two somewhat cupcake type of games. He did mention the fact that they've talked to Jamie Pollard about Iowa State, but he also mentioned the fact that, you know, this is not this is not concrete right now. He cannot predict the future. He said, um, I can't predict the future, so I can't go beyond where we are today other than what I just stated, which was, and Jamie Pollard and I have spoken about this and other things as the world of college sports has been shifting and changing. I said before, and I'll say it again today, I think the Iowa-Iowa State Cyhawk matchup is good for our state, good for college football and college athletics. But again, not exactly tying himself to that Cyhawk game. He's looking at it as, yes, we have this as an opportunity, but maybe we want to do the Pac-12. Maybe we want to do the ACC. I know there's a, there's a contingent of Iowa fans out there that would really love to not play Iowa State and not because they think Iowa State's really good. It's because they feel like it just makes more sense for Iowa to get other teams on their schedule. It doesn't add a lot of value. And traditionally, you know, typically it hasn't added a lot of value to play Iowa State, except for now. This year, it's going to be a very good game. I'm really excited for Iowa-Iowa State. Um, if Iowa can pull out that W, that'll be huge for Iowa's season going forward. He also mentioned, as far as scheduling, um, that it's kind of intriguing what the Pac-12 and ACC are doing because they do have different schedule concepts. The ACC plays eight. The Big Ten plays nine. The Pac-12 plays nine. They have to figure out how that's going to work out. They have to figure out home games. Iowa needs to have seven home games. So if you have eight conference games, you're likely going to have four home games. And then out of your remaining, you know, four games, you need to have three of the four of those. So that's going to get really interesting as far as how they could schedule the Pac-12 and the ACC. I think that might move to the fact that they would have to have either two. If they play the Pac-12 and the ACC, they would need to have one of those being a home and away. So home of Pac-12 away versus ACC, and then two cupcakes, which doesn't really leave a lot of room for Iowa State. Now, they could do a concept where they play an alternating schedule of Pac-12 ACC, which is going to take 20-something years to get through that entire roster of teams, but still could be a lot of fun as well. So lots of options here, lots of exciting stuff, and we're going to be breaking all that down as we get more information. Uh, again, Gary Barta, not, I'm not a huge fan of Gary Barta, but he did give us a little bit of information, and we have to obviously break that down here. Kirk Ferentz is coming up on segment two. We're going to talk about what he said at Media Day and what we learned about the Iowa Hawkeyes come this Saturday as they take on Indiana. Should be a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Just 72 hours away from college football 
I can feel it already. And it is that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, betonline.ag is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. All the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at betonline.ag. So head over to that website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. And also, if you don't want to use the promo code Locked On for that 100% welcome bonus, use the promo code NFL100, which will get you a refund of up to $25 when you make a bet on the season opener between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. Again, betonline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And we are going to get into Kirk Ferentz's media conference. Um, had a lot of great things to say. I always love hearing from Kirk. Uh, just, just a phenomenal speaker. And the way he talks is just, uh, it just, just makes sense. And a couple things. So first off, he mentioned the captains this week, Tyler Linderbaum, Matt Hankins, Jack Kerner, and Spencer Petras. The only one I want to bring up there is Spencer Petras. Um, the ability or the being named captain in this situation, I think is really huge and shows the growth that Spencer Petras has made. We've heard a lot about Spencer and what he's done for this team so far this offseason. Players have spoken highly, highly, highly of Spencer Petras. Now, I was very down on Spencer last year, as was a lot of Iowa Hawkeye fans. I had so many, every single game, I had Iowa Hawkeye fans in my mention saying, why are they playing Spencer? And every Monday, we broke it down with Matt Vandenberg with our Monday morning recaps of Matt. Just a little plug there. This Monday, we got Matt on the show as well, again, breaking down every single game this season. But with Matt, he kind of talked a little bit about, we don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, and it's very difficult to play quarterback in Brian Ferentz's offense. I did not realize, again, he was out so much last season, basically didn't have an offseason, didn't have a preseason, had nothing, and then went and started. That can be very difficult. And, you know, Kirk even spoke a little bit about that as well. I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, mentioning the fact that Spencer, he said, it's night and day comparison, really, from last year. Last year, he went into the season pretty much cold, no spring ball, no camp, and now he's got eight games under his belt. But he's also had a lot of time to practice beyond those eight games and watch himself perform and learn more about himself. Again, high praise coming out of camp for Spencer Petrus, and really he has separated himself. So if you are one of those fans can you know really excited about the possibility of Alex Padilla or Deuce Hogan, you might want to simmer down a little bit. It is not going to be a one interception pulling Spencer Petrus type of situation. It is going to take a little bit more time before Spencer would get pulled if he doesn't play well. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he performs against a very tough Indiana secondary. And he is going to have a difficult challenge playing with a, a pretty new offensive line. Tyler Linderbaum is the only guy Kirk Barron would really commit to starting on that offensive line. He said, I'm pretty sure Linderbaum will be playing center and we'll be playing six to eight guys during the course of the game. And we need to learn more about them and how they're going to perform. And this is quite a test because Indiana is very multiple in what they do. And they're very aggressive in what they do as well. They bring a lot of pressure and add to the mix. They have a lot of new incoming grad, you know, transfers that makes it a little bit difficult. So it puts a lot of pressure on those guys up front. What that means, again, we talked about this. Jack Plum is going to be at left more than likely. Cody Ince is going to be in the middle uh, next to Tyler Linderbaum alongside Justin Britt. And then on the other side, we are going to have Nick DeJong. I also am willing to bet we see Mason Richmond. I'm also willing to bet we see Connor Colby. 
and maybe Josh Volk, maybe Tyler Ellsbury. Those are the guys we're probably going to see in that six to eight guy rotation, especially Mason, especially Connor Colby. Um, I expect to see those guys in there for a couple of plays, which will be huge to get some of those freshmen some playing time. And I think the big thing I can take away from this is this could change literally week to week. We saw it happen last year. Koi Kronk just couldn't recover very well from injury. And Iowa changed it up. They had Mark Kallenberger in there, Jack Plum. I mean, things change as the season progresses. So expect that to be a storyline as we continue going forward. He also mentioned Indiana's defense. Um, extremely aggressive, very, very aggressive, very attacking. Had done a great job with the turnovers, takeaway margin, and also the penalties, which uh, makes sense. I mean, what we saw last year from Indiana, they put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. They had a very big ball hawking secondary, only losing one guy. And that secondary averaged 2.1 interceptions per game last year. So that's going to be huge. And he even mentioned this as well. One of the keys to this game is playing clean football. So we have to play clean football. They do such a good job of taking the ball away. We cannot make mistakes. He said, we have an idea of at least of what they'll do. You never know quite what they'll do, though. Then we have the unknowns in terms of personnels and personnel. Ours, as they look at us, is probably more young guys they don't know a lot about, which is good for Iowa because Indiana doesn't know what to expect. And then he said, one of the things that comes to mind when playing Indiana is that we have to play clean. And that's true. Anytime you watch an early season football game, you consider the turnover takeaway margin. This Indiana team was so good last year, and that is what Kirk Barron said to say. And Iowa does struggle a little bit in the first couple games, as do a lot of teams. That's why playing this conference game, the first game of the season, is not ideal. If they lose. If they win, fantastic. They win, they get a big-time game under the belt, they get Iowa State, and then they have a nice little uh, two-game stretch where they can kind of get ready for the bulk of their, their schedule. But they have to play clean. Spencer Petrus has to play a clean game. No fumbles from Tyler Goodson or Ivory Kelly Martin or any of the young guys, Gavin LaShawn playing running back. This has to be a clean game for Iowa to win this game. Also, I don't want to make a huge storyline out of this, but the vaccination rate is up over 90%, it sounds like. This is huge, um, especially given the news that teams would have to forfeit if they were not able to play due to COVID. So having a high vaccination rate, considering the fact that Iowa was so low not too long ago, is a very big um, revelation for this Iowa football team. Obviously, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into the, the politics of it or what people should or shouldn't do, but from a purely competitive standpoint, this does help the Iowa Hawkeye football squad because there are rules and there are different stipulations, whether you have the vaccine or not, for what you can do day in and day out on the college football field. He also had mentioned two other things about two offensive positions, wide receiver. Um, it was asked whether Arlen and Keegan were going to make it into the game, and he said definitely. I don't know if we've got five or six in our rotation, but they're definitely in it. Well, it's Tyrone. It's Nico at two. It's Charlie at three. It's Keegan at four, which means Arlen is number five. Arlen is fifth wide receiver in that rotation. He also mentioned Jackson Ritter as a guy who has entered into that conversation as well. Um, some of you might be saying, well, are we really going to see five wide? It kind of depends on the plays. Kind of depends on the play call. Kind of depends on the scheme. Kind of depends on the situation. We've seen in big-time moments three years ago, Max Cooper getting in the game when Iowa did have a lot of depth. So they are going to be playing that amount of people. I've even mentioned that I think Arlen Bruce is going to get a couple touches. I think they're going to get the ball to Keegan. You want to get those guys some experience early because those are going to be big-time playmakers later on. They kind of remind me a little bit, and I've made several uh, parallels to previous teams. Um, looking at Connor Colby and Mason Richmond, I, I compared to Larry Jackson. And you know uh, Tristan Wirfs just from a purely freshman tackle type of perspective, being able to play a long time. From a wide receiver perspective, Brandon Smith 
and Amir Smith Marset and Drew Keegan, Johnson, Arlen Bruce. Arlen Bruce, maybe not as much speed, but very dynamic and a lot of different facets of the game. Keegan Johnson, a big time receiver. Can you really use his body similar to Brandon Smith? So I expect to see these guys just like we did when Brandon and Amir were freshmen. I expect to see them in the game getting some playing time. And then at that tight end position, we all know Iowa is tight end U. We all know Sam Laporta is the number one guy in the tight end position. But did you know that Luke Lachey is number two? That is huge. Luke Lachey, sounds like he's a young guy, second year is what Kirk said. But he's done a good job, steady out there, just keeps working, has done a good job. He's definitely different than Sam, different kind of player, but he's done a quality job. But he basically confirmed Luke is, without a doubt, the number two tight end on this roster. And remember, we have Elijah Elverton and Josiah Myman behind him as well. This tight end depth is pretty good. If Sam does go to the NFL, I'm not concerned about tight end depth because we have several guys who will get some playing time throughout the season, including Luke. Now, if Sam does return, this tight end position will be one of the best in the country next year with Sam, Luke, and Elijah, who had 30-something offers. So really excited about that. Love talking to Iowa football, and we are almost 72 hours away from the first game. It is going to be an absolute blast. I cannot wait for that. Coming up on segment three, we're going to talk about the NFL. There were some cuts that were made, some surprises that you know people made the rosters, some surprises of people who didn't make the rosters. We're breaking all of that down right here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I do want to tell you, though, about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market today. It is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. I have one right next to me. I'm going to eat it right after the show to give my I'm recording this in the morning. I didn't have a chance to record it last night. I'm going to eat one right after this. Built Bar, though, comes in nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor. They got sweet, they got salty, they got fruity. Whatever you want, Built Bar has it. And not only are these bars incredibly delicious, they're also nutritious as well. Between 17 and 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories. Four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. Again, nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Built Bar is where it's at today. And right now, you can get your hands on a Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L O C K E D 1 5. And you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, y'all. And we are back. We are here. Segment three, the last segment of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. Again, now streaming on YouTube and all podcast platforms everywhere for free. That's right. There is no subscription. There is no paywall. Y'all get it all for free all the time. I'm doing this out of the love for the game and the love for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I want to talk about the NFL. A lot of guys from last year's Iowa Hawkeyes squad trying to make a roster. Um, we knew Nick Neiman was going to make a roster. We knew Chauncey Golson was going to make a roster. We knew Davian Nixon was going to make the roster, right? We knew all these things were going to happen. But, and we knew Amir Smith-Marset was going to make the roster as well. We assumed at least. But there were a lot of undrafted free agents who were trying to get an opportunity. Makai Sargent, Jack Heflin, Alaric Jackson, Coy Cronk, Barrington Wade, Sean Byer, Cole Banwart. Typically, teams don't have a lot of UDFAs make a roster. Honestly, it's kind of surprising for UDFAs to make a roster. The Denver Broncos, you can see in the background, I got a Broncos. I'm a huge Broncos fan. They have had at least one UDFA make the roster every single year for 17 out of 18 years. This is not every single year, 17 out of 18. If every team was like the Denver Broncos, and they are not, that would equate to 32 UDFAs every single year that make a roster. That's a rough estimate, right? Could be more, could be less. Iowa has three, three of those 32, nearly... What's the math there? 10%? 10%. Nearly 10% 
of the UDFAs that made a roster are Iowa Hawkeyes. That speaks volumes to how well these Iowa Hawkeyes show up in camp, how well they're able to get in and make a difference and make an impact quickly, and also how undervalued Iowa was out of the season. So let's get into who made it. Makai Sargent, probably the biggest surprise here. Actually, no, you know what? Jack Heflin is undoubtedly the biggest surprise. A former you know, NIU player moves over, plays for Iowa, starts at Iowa, doesn't get drafted, doesn't have a lot of uh, high prospects. Um, when I was talking to Matt Miller of the draftscout.com, he mentioned the Jack Heflin, a guy not going to make it anywhere, right? Just a, a camp body, that kind of thing. Jack made the Green Bay Packers. He had a phenomenal camp. He got several backhanded compliments to a degree, just wasn't movable. He was able to take up multiple blockers, which is what he did at Iowa. I think he was a bit overshadowed by Davian Nixon, a little bit undersized, but he proved that he could do it, and he proved that he could do it for the Green Bay Packers. Making that roster was huge for Jack Heflin. The second biggest surprise, Makai Sargent. Tennessee had a very loaded backfield. I talked to Tic Tac Titans of the Lockdown Titans podcast, uh, Tyler, excuse me, Tyler Roland, and he, I asked, asked him about Makai Sargent, and he said, you know, Makai has played well, but the chances of Makai making this roster is slim because there's so much running back depth. People thought the Titans pretty much had it figured out what their running backs were going to be. Makai Sargent put a wrench in that situation, being one of the best running backs in this preseason. Makai Sargent making that roster um, has made a huge fan out of several Tennessee Titans insiders. I'm very excited to see what Makai Sargent can do. Um, just continuing to prove people wrong, right? Iowa Western has to win the starting running back job, loses the starting running back job, goes undrafted, doesn't test well, and is now you know going to be playing for the Tennessee Titans. Love that. And then finally, Alaric Jackson. That one doesn't surprise me at all. Alaric Jackson was a guy who was getting first-round buzz going into his junior season. Struggled a little bit at the senior bowl, playing the inside guard position. And you know people were kind of concerned about what was his ceiling. But his floor is pretty darn good. And for a backup tackle, you have to be appreciative of that. And I think he went to a great spot for the Chargers. He makes the team. Again, three undrafted free agents making it is very unheard of. Very exciting, though, nonetheless. Now let's go through some of the other guys who were cut. Brandon Smith, Cole Banwart, Mike Daniels, Barrington Wade, Sean Byer, Jake Gervas, Nate Stanley, Clay Cronch, Lil Johnson, and James Ferentz. Casey Creeder was also cut, but he's resigning with the Giants. These people do have an opportunity to be claimed by other teams. Uh, waivers are going through at 3 p.m. today. I think that's Eastern time. And there are 16 member practice squads. It's not very often we see an Iowa Hawkeye football player get cut and not make it to a practice squad, if we're being completely honest. So I expect most of these guys to end up here, but we'll break it down. Um, Jake Gervas, a guy who moved to linebacker, um, probably just needs a bit more time to continue building that skill set. Um, definitely has the athleticism, but I expect him to be back on the practice squad. Sean Byer had a really nice camp, uh, made several really good plays. I expect him to be back as well. Barrington Wade. Uh, Denver really liked Barrington after claiming him off waivers. I would be surprised they don't welcome him back. Sounds like they are going to try to, according to their NFL insider. Cole Banwert, um, I haven't heard as much about Cole, but when I talked to Tic Tac Titans, he was really impressed by Cole and what he could do. They definitely need some depth there on the offensive line, and having him for another year on the practice squad would be a very big advantage to them. And Brandon Smith, um, according to several insiders, um, they expected Brandon to clear waivers, and then the Cowboys were going to sign him to the practice squad. Um, the Cowboys have so many wide receivers, but Brandon Smith is a big-time guy who can make big-time plays. I just think he's in a bad situation with how much depth they have at the exact type of position that Brandon plays at the wide receiver spot. 
Nate Stanley is going to be interesting. He was waived with an injury designation, struggled a little bit in camp, um, not getting as much playing time due to being out, out with COVID. Um, I think he could make it, but we'll see. Quay Cronk, I don't expect to land on a, a roster after this. Um, again, hasn't really been the same since the ankle injury at Indiana. Uh, Mike Daniels and Julia Johnson, both veterans. Um, there's a chance they don't sign for a couple of weeks simply because veterans are guaranteed their salary if they are on the roster to start the season. So people are probably going to wait till after week one. So we'll see there. But Julia Johnson was a pretty big surprise. Um, everywhere across Twitter and across uh, our Texans insiders, they were surprised to see Julia Johnson not make the team after having seven tackles, two quarterback hits, one pressure, and three fumble recoveries in three games. And then James Ferentz, uh you know, the Patriots, they have a love-hate relationship, really. He gets claimed, he gets released, he signs for a couple of weeks. Who knows? Um, but unless there's injuries, I don't imagine James Ferentz has gone back to the New England Patriots, um, but has been a pretty much an on-and-again, off-again relationship with New England uh, for quite some time. So that's what you have. We have 35 guys in the active rosters. That obviously could be changing um, as teams claim people, as teams trade for people. Uh, other people are getting cut. So the, the rosters are not set right now. They are in flux a little bit. But nevertheless, always exciting to see a guy like Mackay and Jack and Eric make those teams. Uh, always exciting for them. That does do it for our show today. Hope you enjoyed our second YouTube episode ever. If you're listening to this in audio form, make sure to check out our YouTube. If you want to see me and see my beautiful mug and see my uh, in-progress office, you can see above on the ceiling. Uh, I'm still working on getting some shiplap in there, but that will come in time. If you do want to bet on a team other than your favorite team, betting doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast app. And that will do it for our show today. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. We have Ben Stevens, formerly known as Big Ten Ben Stevens of Locked On Big Ten. He is joining the show. We are going to be breaking down some lines I put together, and we're going to be talking all about that, having a good discussion. So you'll want to make sure you tune into that to see his lovely mug as well, or listen to us wherever you get your podcast app. Make sure if you did like the show, if you like the YouTube, give us that you know thumbs up button or hit that five-star review and give us you know your thoughts, your feedback, whatever. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As always, Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate your love and your listenership. Have a phenomenal Wednesday, and let's go Hawks.